Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Midweek editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. We're powered by... Cornhead Lager. We haven't cracked one yet, but uh, you're welcome. Two numbers to get in. 489-1240. 489-1240. Wherever you hear us across the Hale Varsity Radio Network. You can watch the show. You're invited to do that and can comment on the stream yard, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Watch not only our show, but uh, of course, heard at Sports in the Morning and all the content provided. Provided. Uh, also, the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. Give that a follow at H Varsity Radio. Can rewatch the show that way. Mike Babcock with us in about 18 minutes or so. Uh, get Babber's thoughts on Nebraska, Maryland, and also in hour two, Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald. What's Kyler Murray look like as he returns? A jock talk with Dr. Brandon Seifert with Nebraska Orthopedic. That is on the way. Emails, chris at halevarsity.com is where uh, you can always uh, send comments or uh, questions, if you like. And the other Dave has already chimed in. We'll get to this. We'll have a little bit of Mike Loxley on Nebraska from his press conference. Some pending questions on the Big Red as there's three games left. The other Dave's still waiting on the Michigan punishment or the Michigan punishment. Uh, Interesting story from Adam Rittenberg on, you know, what can happen. Some sort of response will be made public tomorrow, and uh, Michigan uh, responded to the commissioner today. And uh, once Michigan responded, the Big Ten commissioner and the league will move forward with what? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I know all the national talking heads are arm wrestling about this, suspension, banishment. We'll see. All I got to say is this. If UNLV, and I love that UNLV team with Jerry Tarkadian from 90 to 91, they got to uh, to put off a NCAA tournament ban the following year uh, in lieu of having uh, one more run at back-to-back titles. Uh, that was an incredible UNLV squad. This is an incredible Michigan squad. I know you've done some tire kick at Elijah on the Blake Corum LLC, one of our favorite guests at Big Ten Media Days. Be careful who you're allegedly in business with. Right? Because was he doing his, Blake Corum was flipping houses. He had an LLC. Uh, apparently, Stallions had a refurbished vacuum business. Und- under the same LLC, it sounds right. like. Right. So, is it just somebody that went under the same umbrella, or were they partners? 
Well, according to the LLC, they're both listed as organizers of this LLC, which uh-huh. I believe but an Blake Corum would a have limited to sign liability off on. company. But I believe Blake Corum would have to sign off on that. Now he says, "Well, I had I had no involvement in this whatsoever." And I've it, got people for that. And it came to light because the homeowners association where Stallions was living <laughs> caught wind of the fact that they were running a business out of their home, which is against. Michigan the, law? Well, it's against their homeowner homeowners association agreement. You weren't allowed to run a business out of your home. And the whole business was taking used vacuums and selling them as refurbished vacuums, even though they were not refurbished. They were just used vacuums, and people were very upset. And it was a shoddy it was a bad business. It was a shoddy uh, purchase by those who went uh, with the refurbished. Well, at least it wasn't a, a vacuum shop shop, you know, like in, in Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Uh, because those were ways to get, you know, manhunt victims, or I should say criminals, not victims, out of the country or at least to safety. Well, and what's, what's interesting, which as, as Matthew chimes in, with them setting up an LLC in Wyoming, despite the fact that they're living in Michigan, isn't that another crime on top of it? It, it, it is a Wyoming-based company that they were running out of their Michigan home. Interstate commerce. Now, um, I'll say this. I think Scott Frost... And a handful of other folks would sign their contract in in the NFL in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, from a tax standpoint. That's where they they would. I'm fairly certain because I think JoJo Doman's dad was Scott's original original agent. But that's happened before. Uh, guys will sign their deals in Wyoming because of the tax situation. Uh, less taxes off the top with your signing bonus, all those sorts of things, presumably. Or you just want to go kick it in Jackson Hole because it's awesome. So, well, that, that whole story is just, it, it gets wackier and wackier by the day. Uh, what, what happens first, the NCAA rules or there's a 30 for 30 on this? Right. 30 for 30 probably comes first. Yeah, don't you think that, that I mean, happens? They, I mean, they got the BS High one, Bishop Sycamore. Mm-hmm. They got that documentary. I know that was HBO, not 30 for 30, but they got that thing up quick. Sure. That was within 18 months they had that documentary up. So if we're in the same time frame here, 18 months, that's a, that'd be a quick operation from the NCAA. Well, we'll lay it all out for you. We'll hear from Maryland on the Big Red. Uh, that is uh, on the docket, and uh, we'll get into some Nebraska thoughts. Four eight nine twelve forty. So, as you stare down the barrel of November, and you know a week ago going into Michigan State, part of the theme was a November to remember. Uh, it will be right because Nebraska is still in that quest for for six wins and bowl eligibility. But let's flip it around. Instead of it just being a drive for six and beyond for Nebraska football, from an expectation standpoint or a worry standpoint, are you now worried about getting to six? We asked Matt Verzel this yesterday. It's been kind of on our mind. And the season's been a roller coaster. And it's not been a roller coaster in the sense where there's been – lack of coaching or or bad coaching or attention to detail there's just been some of the same ills with nebraska football you have one side of the ball the defense that's been pretty dominant you've had special teams for the most part it's been a a solid unit as well it's not been boneheaded mistake after boneheaded mistake it's been more lack of execution or explosion on offense that has been your achilles heel this year for nebraska after an 0-2 start, 
you you ride it in the rest of September until Michigan comes into town. So you you end September at two and three, but then you get through October at three and zero, oh, which is, as cousin Eddie says, a real nice surprise. And Nebraska found a way to to score enough points and get really solid defensive play. And now you're off on the wrong foot in November against Michigan State because as you looked at the Final Four, Sparty, Maryland, at Wisconsin, Iowa, Sparty was your your most winnable game on paper. From a talent standpoint, listen, Michigan State had players. They still have players, and you weren't sure if they were going to get up off the mat. They did that on senior day. Now here comes Maryland, a similar situation in a bit of a tailspin where their stretch really after the the first half of the Ohio State game, they got slapped around in the second half. Then they lose at home to Illinois. That Ohio State loss on top of Illinois' physicality is a game that beat you twice plus a little bit of Illinois. And then you're hungover two-twofold, and you go into Northwestern, and you let them put up, what, 30 on you? Uh, And then you come back, and here's Penn State ready to smack you. That happens. And I do believe uh, you have Michigan looming after Nebraska. Uh, You get to host Michigan. All that being said, you know, Maryland's not in in a great spot right now either, except that they've scored points. They have some playmakers on offense. They've, They've got a really talented quarterback. So are you worried about getting to six if you're a Nebraska fan right now has it shifted your expectation it's been a roller coaster what now what's the outlook for you i i firmly believe they get to six i haven't quite made my mind up on if it happens saturday or if it happens black friday or if it happens in wisconsin that'd be sweet to get it taken care of Saturday if you're a Nebraska fan. And it'd be really cool to, to go get one against Wisconsin on the road. The team that has just stepped on you most of, if not all of your existence in the Big Ten. Not just beating you, but pulverizing you as you entered into the league in some big games while you're highly ranked. And then you get to a conference title and they put up 70 on you. You've just never had an answer. Close losses, blowout losses. Wisconsin is next week. But get it done this weekend, obviously, if you're a Nebraska fan. And then see if uh, see if you can go 3-1 and one in November. 2-2s two and twos looking a bit like a long shot now because Michigan State was supposed to be one of those two. And if you, if you don't finish at 6... Man, you're going to have such a sour feeling because you you had an opportunity right there. And listen, there is reality to why Nebraska is struggling with injuries, with limited uh, offensive performance, and they've they've just not been perfect. And they almost have to be perfect or at least get a big play or two to score some points. They've had a few drives sprinkled in there that have gone eight, ten, thirteen plays. They've driven the field, but they don't routinely do it on offense. So. Uh, right now, am I worried about six? It's okay to be concerned about six, but I think they get it. Well, with it, with every loss, it becomes more concerning, which sounds obvious, but there's a deeper thing to what I'm saying here, and that's that I think Nebraska's chances at victory in the final four games, starting with Michigan State, gets a little more difficult, I think, to go beat Maryland, how you match up with them. I think it gets more difficult 
with Wisconsin, considering they're not in the midst of a five or four game losing streak, and with how balanced they are as a team. They're not great offensively, they're not great defensively, but they're super solid on both sides of the football, and you're on the road. That That's a, a step up, I think, in terms of difficulty to get a win from Maryland. And then I think you step up with Iowa again. I know Iowa hasn't been setting the world alight this season, but stylistically, how they beat teams is they... They use their defense and their special teams to wait for you to make a mistake, and they take advantage. And Nebraska makes plenty of mistakes offensively and as of late with their special teams as well, at least from what we saw in the Michigan State game. So, I mean, I worry with the Iowa game of Nebraska turning the football over on their own 20-yard line, setting up Iowa with a short field. And they even, win even if it's a field goal, yeah, <laughs> you're staring down the barrel of a gun with how good that Iowa defense is if you're down 3 nothing because Nebraska couldn't really move the ball against Michigan State's defense with any success. How do you expect him to move the ball against Iowa? And I understand every game's a different battle, but at the same time, that's how Iowa loves to beat football teams is they take the ball away from your offense, they get six points on the board, and they, they trust their defense and their special teams to make enough plays down the stretch that they'll eke out a 6-3 to three win or a 6 to nothing win a, a 10 to 7 win that's how Iowa wins football games so I think that's an, an even bigger step up from Wisconsin in terms of difficulty so I get real concerned if Nebraska can't beat Maryland on Saturday in terms of their quest for six wins combine it with the fact that momentum is huge in the game of football not just on a game-by-game basis but throughout a season and if you lose two straight games while you're at five and now you're looking at a road trip against Wisconsin then a home game against Iowa, that momentum gets quite worrisome to me in terms of can Nebraska get to six. I'm with you. I think they should be able to at least eke out one of these victories because with Maryland, it's a case of limiting the explosive plays and getting after the quarterback. Maryland rushed for negative 50 yards against Penn State. And you have to factor in sacks there, but that's how Penn State beat them is they didn't allow the explosive plays. They said, you know what, Maryland, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to beat us on a 10-play, 75-yard drive, which is not Maryland's strong suit this year. And whenever you get him into third and long, you pin the ears back and you get Tonga Vailoa on the ground. I think if Nebraska follows that formula, they give themselves a chance to win. The question is, what can your offense do? I know Drew Aller had a good day rushing the football. Can Heinrich Harburg do the same? I don't know. I, I think you know, Where's his headspace at? Yeah, it's a winnable game for Nebraska against Maryland. But if you, if you don't win that, you have to go to Wisconsin, which presents its own set of challenges, and then Iowa at the end of the year. If you're at five wins whenever you head to Iowa, my concern is great. And I see it there. My, my concern is just so much more with Nebraska getting to six than it is as of last week. But I still think the path is there. Path. I mean, but simply put, I think Big Ten title game hopes are out the door. It, it's who knows? Who absolutely knows with the West? You, you don't have anyone from the West that deserves to go to Indy. You just don't. I mean, when you look at the rest of the league, uh, you have better teams in the East. Maryland's the the second most talented team Nebraska will face this year behind Michigan. Uh, Maryland's just not playing with it. Dion chimes in. It's he's more worried about Maryland than the two after, and that's absolutely a fine opinion. I mean, Iowa's beatable because of how limited they are on offense. Uh, Wisconsin's beatable because. Listen, they're really in the same spot as Nebraska, new offense, new personnel. Uh, they're, they're not really, or they haven't leaned on the, the run game. They've also been dinged up, and it's, it's a transition year for, for Wisconsin. Never in a million years would a Wisconsin team in November go lose to an Indiana team, especially a Wisconsin team that found a way to kind of save their season just a couple of weeks prior at Illinois. Uh, if you if you go win that game in the fashion they won it with a backup quarterback, there uh, you don't you don't foresee them 
uh, taking a, a couple of steps back and losing it at Indiana. But Michigan State and Indiana, both teams playing with a, a ton of pride right now. Um, you know, I think Maryland concerns me because of their offense. My expectation is Nebraska's defense to be angry, to be focused in, and to be a defense that is absolutely going to fly around. It's going to be back to the old black shirt defense. That's what you need. That's what you have to have. But they better be uh, controlled, but aggressive as all get out on Saturday and just let it fly around. Go be what you've been if you're the Nebraska defense. And if you're Nebraska, just keep using that sledgehammer and wailing away at the Maryland defensive line. I need to see Emmett Johnson with 20 carries. I need to see Harburg with about five per carry on the option and quarterback keep game. You can one-two punch this Maryland front seven. Mike Babcock weighs in. Hail Varsity continues. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Mr. Husker Football joins us every Wednesday. It's Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. It's where you find Mike. Can also subscribe to his newsletter uh, with Hale Varsity. Mike B at Herdant Sports. So. Uh, get that locked in for all your Husker football needs. Babbers, it is uh, Fear the Turtle Saturday, true or false? Uh, true. Uh, I'm actually the guy that picked uh, Nebraska to beat Michigan State, as you remember last week. So It's okay. <laughs> my credibility is uh, undercut there. But, yeah, I think this is – there's concern, obviously, going into this game. Uh, the one thing that you wonder is – Having lost now four in a row, what's the mindset for Maryland? Um, and playing on the road, playing in Lincoln, uh, does that give Nebraska an advantage in this game? You would think that the home field will be the the advantage, the deciding factor. A lot of times, weather needs to be or can be a factor uh, in Lincoln in November. That's not the case, Babbers. It's great for everybody else except uh, 70,000 plus that are at Memorial Stadium trying to watch a, an aerial offense get stymied. Uh, yeah. easy, easier said than done. Yeah, it's going to be 60 and sunny. Well, we'll, we'll smile, walk into the tailgate. Uh, it, it might not help things out on third and eight. <laughs> no 12th man uh, on the defense with uh, compliments of the weather. 
Right. Uh, it'll just it'll just be all the folks in red and white uh, being loud and proud. But how are you feeling about six? Elijah and I started the show off talking about that, and I'm I'm still confident Nebraska finds a way to six. Uh, they're really limited. I, I do understand that. It's kind of remarkable after how things have started, the ups and downs of this season, to uh, to still be right there. Now, you also need to, to look at last Saturday that was there for you, uh, for Nebraska. Uh, didn't get it handled, but I think they can, can use that as a bit of fuel and they can for sure try and bounce back. You know, I keep changing my uh, – I, I started the season by saying – if they're going to get to six, they need to beat Minnesota. Then they didn't beat Minnesota. Then I said, if they're going to get to six, they need to beat Colorado. They didn't beat Colorado. Then I said, if they're going to get to six, they need to beat Michigan State. They didn't beat Michigan State. So now we're down to now we're down to Maryland, and and folks at Maryland are saying the same thing. You know, here's a here's a chance to become bowl eligible against Nebraska. I don't know where that stands, but I think that. Um, uh, I'm probably not in agreement with uh, Dion on this, but uh, I think that the, this is probably the best chance because going on the road to play Wisconsin, regardless, Nebraska has not had success against Wisconsin since it's been in the Big Ten and it's worse in Madison. And the second thing is uh, Iowa, as uh, Elijah pointed out, Iowa scores three points and, you, you know, it's like a – It's enough charge yeah that, that could be enough so i think that the maryland game is is key to six wins but i've said that about other games and it didn't come through so we're still in a position where we can see nebraska become bowl eligible and i think this is the best chance because it's at home and as against a team that and i know two of those losses were to top 10 teams but it's a team that's lost four in a row and has to be questioning itself to some degree, um, and can the other thing is, can it stop uh, Nebraska from running the ball? Mike Babcock's with us, Sale Varsity Radio at MD Babs on Twitter. As uh, we go into the phones here, yeah, let's do it. All right, Tad, thanks for hanging on. You're on with uh, Babbers and me and, and Elijah. Go for it. Good afternoon, boys. Hey, listen. Um, like I've been saying all along, and I agree with Babs. Um, but here's my situation, and, you know, I've been a coach for a long time, is that uh, by pounding the football and pounding the football until they stop you, until they stop you. And that's the reason why we utilize that so much, especially with the offensive line we have. And I don't care how anybody wants to color it, but for two years – We've got guys that can't move their feet, guys that are bent over, trying to block somebody 6'9", and they just walk around them. And that's what Michigan State did last week. So what we do is we put our football players in better situations, shorter passes, pounding the football, learning how to run the option. For God's sakes, please learn that. you got Tommy Frazier right up in a booth somewhere. Bring him down show him how to fake, how to do some things when he comes around the corner, if he's open and he fakes a pass, that kind of stuff. But we are really, really, really going to be good in the future because we're young. But I'm telling you, Coach, 
has got everything. I text him. I said, your punter's falling backwards when he punts, and he's getting these 38-yard punts that aren't helping us out any, putting us on the short field. That's just simple things, that, simple things that are going to really help this football team. But put your players in the best possible position with the talent you have to win football games. Thanks, guys. Dad, appreciate you, you chiming in. Babbers will let you respond to a little of that. I assume you heard him. Yeah, well, I'll agree with him. So, yeah. We, uh, you know, the one thing that uh, on the running, uh, running the option, it seemed to me that uh, when uh, Coach Satterfield talked on Tuesday, um, it's kind of different now about what they're telling him to do when he runs the ball, like go into contact and, and try to get the most out of it that you can. Don't slide. And I thought earlier we heard the other side of it, you know, is like be careful, don't get hurt. I think if you turn him loose from that standpoint, your running game gets much better, your option gets much better because he's uh, being aggressive, which is what I take it to be a characteristic. When he's at his best, that's the way he is. Um, And, you know, I agree with Tad. Do the short passes, but put the emphasis on running the ball, being able to establish the run. And if you can do that, you cut down on the number of opportunities that Maryland would have the ball, and you also put yourself in a position to, I think, get some points on the board. Just hammer away. Uh, Short and sweet. Hold on to the football. Just grind it out. Maryland – Guys, has tapped out. Mm. They tapped out against Northwestern. They tapped out uh, against Illinois. And what I mean by that is they, 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 they had no answer. And by the fourth quarter, there, there was really no stop by that Maryland defense with, uh, with, with Northwestern. I know they throw it around a little bit more, but really Illinois kind of set a blueprint for me. Uh, you're not going to match up talent-wise with what uh, Ohio State had. <laughs> All right. But some of these teams that Nebraska has beaten – um, their their success against Maryland was was just hammering away. Well, well, defensively, the game plan is is limit the big plays. You know what? They're they're going to get their thirty and forty yard chunk plays. That's what Maryland is offensively. Keep that drive to three points as opposed to seven, and don't let them drive the length of the field on you for seven. Like like that's the big key defensively is can you turn seven points from their offense into three? If you can do that, you give your offense a chance. And then yeah, as you said, it's it's the body blows against this Maryland front seven that's going to allow you to go get a victory, but. But I think Michigan State kind of laid out a game plan of, you know what, like their their pass defense was not great, Michigan State. So they're just throwing an extra guy into the box and, and I guess daring you to beat you over the top. Is Maryland going to do the same? Is there a game plan to beat Nebraska's offense now in terms of loading up the box and, and daring them to throw the ball deep on you? Is, is that what it's going to be? Because Nebraska's had some success there won a game it felt like against Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue in terms of beating them over the top, but then Michigan State, that kind of fell away. Is there a game plan now to beat Nebraska's offense, meaning is this just going to be an ugly football game that we see on Saturday? That's the question to me is in terms of want to and can do, what what do you want to do with the running game? What can you do with the running game now that some defenses know the game plan to beat this Husker offense? Well, Babbers and Elijah, look at the Northwestern numbers here. Northwestern didn't, you know, with sack-adjusted yardage, they still ran it 40 times. I mean, Northwestern ran the football 40 times for 99 yards, 2.5 a carry, but they only attempted 23 passes with Sullivan. And uh, to me, there's there's a little bit of a blueprint. You look at Illinois, what, what they did, 
and uh, they ran it 39 times for 131 yards and 28 pass attempts. That was a bit of a back-and-forth ball game, but Illinois was up 10 most of that second half, so it's right there in front of you. <laughs> just just yeah, run the football. I think Nebraska can run the ball better than either of those teams if, if they set their, set their mind to it. I think the Huskers can do that. Um, and, if, again, if you can get the running game going and get, get the defense focused on that, then you can find some guys open. You can find that tight end. You can, you can get some pass plays going. But I think you have to establish the run, particularly the way Nebraska plays with, that, with some option. Um, if, if you can get that going, and on the other side of the ball, if you can, if you can don't let Tangabailoa get outside the pocket and start moving around, which is what, something that he does well, um, I think you have a chance to win this game. Mike, how concerned are you about defensively limiting the explosive plays? Because when Nebraska's gotten beaten this year, except the Minnesota game, which I kind of put to the side being the first game of the year, Colorado beat you with explosive plays. Michigan, I mean, they drove the field on you, but then they, they, they really finished off drives with explosive plays. And then Michigan State beat you this past week with explosive plays. Are you concerned about Nebraska's defensive ability to stop those explosive plays from the Maryland offense, which is really where they make their bread and butter? Well, um, anytime you're facing a quarterback that's thrown 21 touchdown passes to eight interceptions and leads a conference in passing yards, um, I think that's a concern. The question is, can the offensive line, can that offensive line for Maryland protect him sufficiently that Nebraska can't get the kind of pressure that uh, we're talking about here? Um, if Nebraska can, I think it's not a concern. But this guy, the quarterback is talented and he's thrown for he's, – he's proven – what he can do and that that's a concern obviously well it'll be a big challenge for the nebraska defense they've looked good against some teams that that are limited on offense not their fault just reality this is the third crack at it for nebraska's defense going up against a, a pretty salty offense you look at the, the buffs were and you look at what michigan is uh this is uh you know a third time potentially the charm for this nebraska defense against a top 30 top 25 offense babbers uh what uh what can we expect in the, in the newsletter this week here that drops tomorrow real quick well uh as i pointed out in the historical newsletter nebraska has never lost to maryland and uh that's uh, two wins <laughs> uh, so we got that going for us uh, you got that streak there um and uh yeah that's all i'm gonna say that's uh, all right that's all right one thing I should say, I didn't say it in the newsletter, but um, it, I bring it up. I think the officiating was a problem in the Michigan State game. I, I I don't want to put it all on the officials, but I didn't think it was a well-officiated game. That's uh, right on. Babbers, we'll talk this weekend. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Wednesday here, Hail Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. We'll get to you some StreamYard comments. Can always watch the show. Do so with the Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Hail Varsity Radio Twitter as well at H Varsity Radio. Here from Mike Loxley this segment as well. Evan Bland in 25 minutes and some prognostication here with uh, Michigan's response to Commissioner Petiti. What happens tomorrow? Tomorrow supposedly D-Day with uh, Michigan, the 
uh, Big Ten commissioner and uh, what happens moving forward. Oh, yeah, they play Penn State this weekend. Uh, Brian chimes in on Saturday's matchup with Maryland. Nebraska better put on their big boy britches come Saturday. Maryland will look to get the bad taste out of their mouth. Yeah, Maryland's uh, anxious to, to try and respond, stop their losing streak. Uh, Phil checks in in the stream. If Nebraska doesn't do it Saturday, their chances fall way, way down. We started the show off. How worried are you about getting to six now versus uh, a week ago, two weeks ago? As uh, you look at Nebraska and uh, what is in front of them, uh, Michigan State put a big dent into things, uh, you know, and uh, Elijah, not you, but uh, another Elijah checks in. One thing I really enjoy and something that's very refreshing is the alignment of the coaches. Despite the changes, they all seem on the same page and aligned Two rules vision, one team, one fight. Yeah, rule has one message. And uh, that message is uh, seconded and followed uh, by many uh, of the of the coaches, or they'll I'm sure hear about it. Uh, Brian Snitley, good to hear from Snit. Uh, I've been to, there have been plenty of guys open on crossing routes or short passes, as the previous caller said. But AH either isn't seeing them or is looking in on receivers before the snap. Got to. Got to let the play develop, Elijah, because uh, there's been some of those fast dudes that have made some real nice strides that are open. Uh, they are open on crossing routes. Good luck uh, tracking down a track stud on a crosser and the athleticism from a Doss or a Lloyd or a Malachi to turn and burn is real. And Cutter. Cutter checks in. Nebraska's biggest issue is having our defense on the field for the majority of the game. It's been a problem for the last five years. Our D can only hold up so long. Need to maintain drives. The offense just got to help out. They got to score points. Got to score points and not turn the football over. You've survived October despite the turnovers. It bit you on uh, Saturday as you tried to open things up in the month of November. Let's hear from Mike Loxley. And it's interesting because Nebraska has been winning the time of possession this yeah, year. Yeah, they, they've been fine there. But, but they have not been winning the total plays run throughout a game a lot of the time this year, which is an interesting dichotomy. It's better than losing total number of plays and also being on a 40-20 to 20 deficit. But they're moving in the right direction, at least in that facet, in terms of not leaving the defense on the field too much. And that's, uh, again, often how, to how, uh, how you win in the Big Ten. But... I mean, there's teams out there, Iowa's defense is usually on the field for a hell of a lot more plays than their offenses, and they're still able to get it done. So I don't think you can look at that as an excuse and say, well, the defense is out there too many plays. You have an offense that's at least assisting in that regard, running the play. They're holding on to the ball for a while. It's not been 90-second drives and then punt. It's been better. It has not been perfect. Mm. But it's it's where you'd hope to be moving in a year one, at least. Uh, Moonbot checks in. uh, Thumbs up. I'm okay with finishing five and seven. Better be six to seven wins next year than eight or nine in year three. I thought uh, once you had the taste of five this soon. Are you all right? Do you need me to get you a coffee? Yeah, maybe. You all right? You're going to fall over. I ran out of coffee filters at home today, and so I didn't none? have any coffee. There was zero I've coffee. I've got a little ever. here. It's okay. We don't, we don't need to spread sickness throughout the, the Hale Varsity talent room just like that why not uh but i i think folks would freak if they get stuck on five. Oh, i do too. i mean yeah i, I personally <laughs> i'm not saying i'm gonna freak out but if you're at five by the end of october if you go oh for november after that october 
despite injuries, despite limit, uh, you're right there. Find a way to six, man. And, and expectations change throughout a year, which is kind of something we hit on in the first segment that, you know what, five and seven, if you say that after the Michigan game, people would feel a hell of a lot better than after the Northwestern game or after the Purdue game because of where it feels like Nebraska has been moving this year. It feels like they've been getting better every single week, and then Michigan State felt like a step back. The question is, is can you get things right, and can you take that step mm-hmm. forward again? Because I do believe all three games left, as we kind of said in the first segment again, are, are, are winnable football sure. games, but you need to make progress on the football field. And Michigan State was the first game since Michigan where you did not feel like the team was making progress. So can you get back to your, to your putting your nose to the grindstone and making progress this week? If you can do that, I think there's at least one win left on the schedule. You know, three is, is a big ask. Two and one is a nice surprise. One and two is, is what you need. It really, it's not negotiable. Uh, you, you've had chances, find a way to get there. Let's hear from Mike Loxley. Uh, cut three here, Loxley, and his respect towards Rule with what this progress has been for the Big Red in year one. Got a lot of respect for the job Matt Rule has done. Um, when you look at those guys on film, they're really tough. Hard-nosed, well-coached, play with tremendous effort. Um, they've got a really good defense. Um, their defense is one of the top defenses uh, that, that will face some interior guys that are strong, heavy-handed guys up front. Um, their linebackers are really good tacklers in space, and, and, and they, they, they execute their defensive scheme really well. On offense, I've seen an offense that's gotten better and better uh, with each week when you watch them on tape. You know, obviously they've made the change at the quarterback position, and, and, and the kids play fairly well for them from the standpoint of, of executing the things that they want to see get executed. Uh, they've got a, a really good offensive line, really good length and size on the, you know, both tackles, especially the right side of the line where they bring back a lot of experience. You know, I expect this to be a tough game for us. So that was Mike Loxley. A tough ball game more from the Maryland head coach on what makes the Husker D so difficult. Yeah, with them and their run defense, it starts with the size and their two interior players. I mean, they have a unique defensive structure that they play. Um, you know, they're they base out of a four-down front, but they're a, you know, an umbrella five safety or three safety look with two corners and a nickel. And you know, they 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 execute their scheme really really well. I mean, they they move a lot up front on the interior part of their defense. They have a lot of what we call. ETs and NTs and NEs where they try to cancel the gaps and then their their linebackers really do a great job of tackling the ball in space. Uh, their safety number two is kind of the guy that makes the defense go and you know he's a deep third, deep middle field player, but they also uh, involve him quite a bit in the run game. And so you know when you look at the way they play run defense, it starts with the amount of numbers they get in the box and to the ball. You know our inability to run the ball just comes with our inability to execute, and we've struggled with the interior part of our run game. Uh, you know, when you try to run zone schemes and gap schemes, which are the two primary things we like to run, we've got to be able to be stout or, or more stout in the interior part where we don't allow penetration. Uh, we don't allow guys to get knocked back on us, which doesn't allow our backs to start and, and get momentum coming downhill. Um, we're going to work real hard this week to figure out how the best way is for us to run the football. Um, and, and there's no doubt, you know, as you prepare and, and play in the Big Ten, the ability to run the ball, especially this time of the year, is is really important. So we're working hard to to get the run game corrected and figure out what are the best runs and the best way for us to run the ball. Well, Nash going to need a big game. Don't let him get comfortable between the tackles. Nebraska's going to have to set the edge much better 
this Saturday. It wasn't a thing that was consistent all the time against Sparty. We'll wind down Hour 1. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, 10 minutes away. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Reminder to get buckled up. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink, don't drive? A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office, 489-1240, 489-1240. We'll have some open phones around 520. We'll dive into what may fall out with Michigan, some emails to get to, chris at hailvarsity.com. Ted emails in, the Huskers have returned to the tentative play they did during all of the Frost years. Four years of habits don't turn around overnight. I think Rule's taken good strides in turning the tentative culture around. Well, you get into some moments, some big games, how do you respond and do you re- how do you react and That played a part last Saturday as well. Dave checks in, and uh, Dave says, Stuck on five after getting so close is worse than finishing with four or less wins. Hope is a terrible thing. I believe that was a quote from Red in Shawshank Redemption. Andy, in the end, says hope is a beautiful thing as they run towards one another on the beach. One of my favorite scenes. And I think one of the things that's that's brutal about being stuck on five is the, that future build you're trying to sell to recruits and, and really to a fan base too, but primarily the guys that you're trying to bring in that are going to come turn a program around, guys that you can find in the portal. A transfer quarterback. It's easier to go get a high-level transfer quarterback when you can sell it and say, hey, you know what? Nobody could make a bowl game here in seven years. I did it in my first year. Look how our defense played this year. They led us to a bowl game. Think of how good we'll be with an offense and with the quarterback. This is what our quarterback did last year. You can sell that to a transfer portal quarterback. You can go talk to high-level four-star recruits, even some five-star recruits, and say, hey, you know what? Nebraska's going to take care of you, and we're going to go win football games. We made it to a bowl game in year one, and nobody else could do that in seven years. The, 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 what you can sell with that is so much greater than five. That, that bowl game number, yeah, six wins isn't particularly different from five, aside from the fact that you got to go sell that in a bowl game. And you know what? The extra practices don't hurt either. Now, the development part of the extra practices are so key for how Rule wants to build – and don't kid yourself, the film you're going to be flipping on uh, offensively to prospective transfer portal quarterbacks is probably the last three games of the South Carolina season a year ago with Spencer Rattler. Uh, not necessarily Nebraska's juggernaut of an offense in 2023. Son, we know you're a, you're a mobile quarterback that's a pass-first guy. Uh, pay no attention to this option you're seeing. Or you can you can pull it up and say, look at the open receivers that are here. Look, I know we didn't look at, find them. Look at the skill you got. <laughs> You've got football dudes that are track fast. And, uh, you know, uh, NUGPA says the key to the game is outscoring Maryland. Thank you, uh, NUGPA. Appreciate you chiming in there. No turnovers uh, is... That'd be novel, wouldn't it? Nebraska does not turn the football over. They go plus one or plus two at home Saturday in the turnover battle. If they uh, do that, little, I will buy a lottery ticket. Little Tua gets treated like a pinata by the Nebraska rush ends. There's no running room. And uh, Maryland goes from bad to worse with their skill talent. Hey, Nebraska's got the personnel to fly around and lay some hits. It's really a matter of uh, just kind of shaking 
themselves out of the funk they were in against Michigan well, State. This is not a game, I don't think, where you're going to hold Maryland off the board completely. No. You're going to give up some big plays. You'll probably give up some big plays in the passing game, yards after catch. And I just because it's a different dude you're trying to tackle. And I know the defense needs to play great, great, but I think there's more pressure on the offense this week to put some points on the board. Big time. Absolutely agree. We'll get that thought from Evan Bland next hour, too, on the way. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland, O-W-H. On Twitter's where you find him. Evan, how's your week? Thanks for jumping in. Yeah, you got it. I, you know, I caught some of your uh, previous segment. You have me wondering if hope is, is the best thing or the worst thing. <laughs> I'm going to go with Andy Dufresne and Shawshank. Hope is a good thing. Evan, hope is a good thing, uh, as he was sanding down that boat in uh, in Mexico. Uh, but yeah, if you don't get to if you don't get to six, man, there'll be a lot of tears and beer. Yeah, you're staying in Shawshank if, if that's the case. Um, and maybe Nebraska's been institutionalized. You know, you you don't like those walls, and you grow to like them, then you you can't live without them. So I don't know. Uh, Brooks was here, right? <laughs> Man, um, yeah, that, and that was from uh, a comment a little bit ago in the stream yard. And uh, I mean, well, is is Brooks going out into the world? Matt Rule coming back to college football with the transfer portal era and NIL and all the changes since he went off to the NFL. <laughs> That's yeah, a great. I mean, man, the world so many... got itself in a damn hurry. Uh-huh. There's um, so many parallels with, with, with the portals, and, and 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 I think fans. You know, if you go back to a bowl game this season, uh, I mean, <laughs> the world's changed since 2016 too. So I think there's some uh, getting used to it that Husker fans probably wouldn't mind doing. Well, and and that's that's the key, and that's the question. We'll kind of get your take on the quarterback situation, big picture. I know uh, your podcast with Sam and and. Tom, uh, the Pick 6 podcast, uh, we'll dive into the portal uh, question mark. But overall, Evan, as you look at this matchup Saturday, do you think Nebraska, their best chance to get to 6 is Saturday? I mean, I think we all think it was last Saturday that didn't happen. And we're kind of wondering where you get one with these next three. Is it Saturday that gives you the best opportunity? I think so. I mean, it's it's a home game against an East Division school that's lost four in a row, that just got roughed up by Penn State, uh, that that's defense uh, is awfully vulnerable. It's a smaller defense that pressures, and it's sort of a boomer bust sort of scheme that they run. So you would you would like to think that it would be this Saturday, but you can make a case uh, against that too when you've got Tonga Vailoa, who's a top you know fifteen quarterback in college football right now, and what he can do with his arm and, and with his legs and Nebraska's history uh, against uh, dual threat quarterbacks that play at a high level kind of, kind of give you pause. Um, you know, it kind of sounds weird to think that, that maybe Wisconsin could be that team. Their defense is not uh, up to the standard of past Badger units to this point. They're going through their own injuries offensively. 
they're a lot more limited, I, I think, even right now than what Maryland would say it is. Um, but that's out in Madison, which has been uh, a house of horrors for Nebraska football through the years, too. So, like, I don't know that you want to count on a almost a decade-long uh, losing streak coming to an end uh, out at Camp Randall. And then it comes down to to Iowa and, and, and what can your offense, if you're Nebraska, do uh, against an Iowa defense that's just, you know, salty as all get out. So I, I think it's it's Saturday if you can handle Tongavailoa and, and limit those plays and maybe get, um, you know, one explosive play. Maybe one, you know, you connect on one option pass for a score. That could alleviate some things. Uh but isn't it amazing how the tenor of things has changed? When you go into Michigan State, there's kind of this assumption that uh, that they'll get to six, and then you're in the West race, and, and who knows how high the ceiling is, and now you lose that one. Some of the flaws are newly exposed, and there is sort of this, uh, I think, tension among the fan base and around the area that uh, you want to get this thing taken care of sooner than sooner than later so you're not trying to – in this bowl streak against these two West Division teams that have had Nebraska's number for so long. It's Evan Bland with us here from the Omaha World Herald, Hale Varsity Radio. And Evan, one of the things Mike Loxley said in his presser yesterday, which we haven't gotten to just yet, maybe we'll get to a little later in the show, but I'll, I'll paraphrase for him. He's essentially saying on this losing streak where Maryland has lost is they've lost the turnover battle and they've lost the explosive play battle. And it was a, uh, a, a bad loss in the explosive play category to Penn State. That's why that score ended up being so lopsided. But we look at Nebraska. They've been losing the turnover battle, but they won the explosive play battle against Illinois. They won it against Purdue. They won it against Northwestern. Nebraska wins those three games. They lose the explosive play battle against Michigan State on top of the fact that they lost the turnover battle and they lose that football game. So whenever you look at the final three games, Games, specifically focused on Maryland, obviously, on Saturday. Do you think Nebraska has it in him to win either the explosive play battle or the turnover battle? Because Maryland feels like a game where their offense is explosive and they have been turning the football over at a fair clip, but still not even at the clip Nebraska's been turning the football over at. Right. And, you know, Matt Rule laid it out on Monday, I thought, too, where he said the defense has played awfully well this year, but the two areas that it struggled has been, one, taking the ball away, and two, limiting explosive plays through the air. And, you know, that second one is something that Maryland has down. And they don't really have, you know, a go-to receiver or two. I think they've got six different guys with 20-plus catches uh, right now, which is uh, the most in the FBS. So they, they have the skill guys. They have the depth of skill guys. You know, conventional wisdom would say that Nebraska probably won't be able to match that just given what Maryland has at the quarterback position. Um, they're a little bit healthier on offense, certainly, than what Nebraska's been. Uh, they can't really run it that much. So, like, I don't know that it's a great matchup for Nebraska defensively because Maryland, uh, it, it, they're not going to be all that intent on running the football too much. They're going to go to the air and trust, you know, their guy to, to make plays and do what he does. And so, um, you know, Nebraska struggled with that against Michigan State, against a true freshman quarterback who who mixed in there with a, a you know a redshirt freshman, gave up some explosive plays in that regard. I think you know Nebraska's offense, as much as as it really kind of showed its flaws and deficiencies against Michigan State, it, it really was the same offense that we saw during the three game win streak. The exception or the difference was. That explosive play. I mean, you think about the Illinois game when they get the turnover and they had the quick strike touchdown uh, that Harbor ran in, and then you had the two option pass scores against Northwestern and Purdue. You know, even just one of those takes a lot of pressure off the defense. It sets the tone for the game. It puts you ahead, and that just didn't happen against Michigan State. And I think what we've 
what we've learned about what this team is offensively is you're not going to count on them to put together a long drive. You know, you're not going to find a, a lot of 10 play, 75 yard touchdown drives. Um, you're going to have to hit hit one big, hit two big. Um, and then, you know, you're hoping that the defense can get a takeaway and, and either score on its own or set up another short scoring opportunity. So I think with all that we've seen from Nebraska through three quarters of the season, the blueprint's kind of what it's been. Uh, you know, take care of the ball, find a way to get one explosive play for a score, and then hope that your defense uh, can be as dominant as we've seen it be most of the season. What do you think you see from Harburg on Saturday? Bounce back, playing air quote free, or is he still going to be skittish with uh, with some indecision? Yeah, it's a great question. I thought his press conference chat with reporters this week was was really good. I mean, he was open about uh, just kind of his mental process, what he's gone through. He put it uh, as decluttering his mind. He, he called himself a guy who can tend to um, overthink things or overanalyze things and how that can slow things down. And so, you know, as he said, the coaches want him to go back to being Heinrich from Northern Illinois or Heinrich from Louisiana Tech where he was kind of balling out, reacting, um, you know, kind of falling back on, on what had been his practice reps and taking that into the game uh, as opposed to maybe overthinking scouting reports and over overanalyzing what he sees defensively pre-snap. Um, I think some of that stuff has tended to, to slow his game down, to, to bog him down a little bit. And, and I think as a runner, too, I mean, you think about his first couple of starts with the Huskers, he was putting shoulders into defenders. Um, you know, bring, people were asking, you know, maybe he should he should slide some more. And then I think he kind of got that message. And then he, that sort of led to what we saw, especially in the Purdue game, where he was kind of somewhere in between. Um, you know, maybe he wanted to put a shoulder into somebody, but kind of knew he should slide. And so instead, he kind of stutter steps and slows down and takes some big hits. So. I think a lot of it, and he, he laid it out, is just about being convicted in what you do. Um, it's about trusting what happens during the week. It's about being able to react on game day. You know, he, he talked about that interception over the middle uh, in the first uh, the first half where that was a play that they had repped, you know, I think he said 50 times in practice. And on those, on those reps, he threw it over the middle. And on this particular instance, the defender fell down. Alex Bullock was open on the left side. And he just kind of defaulted to what he had done in practice. So, um, you know, clearly he's got the want to. He's, he's a local kid. He wants to do well by this program. Um, and, and Nebraska, quite honestly, has had some success in, in helping guys psychologically, um, you know, push through some of the, the learning curve that goes on with that. So I, I think it's certainly possible that he plays a little freer. I think that's kind of his default setting that, that uh, maybe he's – He's altered as he's been a starter, so we'll see if he can kind of bring back some of the traits um, that made him so fun to watch early in his starting career. Evan, what do you think it, it takes for us to see Chubba Purdy? Uh, injuries, probably, at this point. Um, you know, we, we've heard every week Nebraska coaches have been pretty steadfast on Purdy and the fact that they can they feel like they can win with him as well as Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg. Um you know, I think the staff values continuity at this point. Like they, you know, they didn't make the change from Jeff Sims uh, until the the ankle turn forced their hand, uh, and I don't think that uh, they're intent at this point in making any move on Harburg. I mean, Rule was asked point blank after the Michigan State game if they had 
considered making a change. He said no. Uh, it was more about kind of pushing through the flow of the game. Um, and, you know, that's been the case, I think, at least once or twice uh, at other points in the season, too. So I think, you know, he has the intangible qualities that you want as a leader. I think he has the locker room. Uh, and, you know, Matt Rule's made a point of saying multiple times, like, this is a guy who has the tools, the physical tools, the leadership tools to uh, potentially, you know, be an impact guy sometime down the line. And so I don't think they're ready to give up on what that potential could be. And, and I think they believe that if you stick with Harburg now and, 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 and circumstances set up to where he's the starter in the future, that some of the lumps he's taken now could pay off as Nebraska continues to build toward what it wants to be. Evan, let's talk future for a moment. And I know it's something that, that uh, you guys uh, have touched on in, in your podcast, the Pick 6. Interested to get your, your take on Nebraska's position with the portal. Yeah, they'll probably look to the portal. They'll need to, to knock out uh, a rock-solid evaluation with uh, who they may bring in. But is, is there a roadblock when it comes to, to cost and spending uh, with with what the going rate is for a portal quarterback? Yeah, I mean, that'll be a factor. And as we've learned in you know a couple of years of the portal being in its current iteration, like you, you don't really know who's even going to be in there until it happens. Uh, you don't know who's going to go pro, who's going to come back. You're, you always have surprises. Uh, and, and, you know, the market for a top quarterback is high. I mean, six figures, probably seven figures for – some of your your highest end guys you know what i think will be interesting and and i think the consensus is is pretty much there that nebraska is going to go to the portal for quarterback maybe two depending on how things go but what does that look like like do you if you're if you're nebraska and you have your druthers do you take a guy who's got three years of eligibility left and and try to develop that do you go the other route and and get a you know fourth year or fifth year guy and and lean on that experience and try to take the next step for a single season. Um, and then what does the skill set look like? I think that's the other fascinating part, because if you're uh, you know, a high-end quarterback and you're considering Nebraska, what's the pitch from Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield as to what that offense is going to be? Is there Do you show them any tape whatsoever from what the offense has looked like this year? Uh, you know, I, I don't think long-term that the option, for example, is in their plans. Uh, but what about some of the you know, the run concepts, is this how, how pass-heavy of an attack is this going to be? Is this going to be, you know, Marcus Satterfield's South Carolina um, from a couple of years ago? Is it going to be something different? So, like, how they pitch that to the, to the quarterbacks and then what kind of a skill set they're able to bring in, I think will be really telling for the direction they want to take this program in 2024 and beyond. Evan, last thought here before we get you out, about 60 seconds. Any other spots aside from quarterback you think Nebraska's portal shopping this offseason? you see any major holes that Nebraska needs to go fill, or do you think they're going to trust some of those young guys to step up in the future? Well, I think defensively, you know, you feel pretty good about it just because of how many different guys that they're rotating in where, to where, you know, you can lose some leaders at every position. You could lose Ty Robinson or Nash Huntmaker or, or you know, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, um, you know, multiple New Quentin Newsom, like you can, those guys, if they all go pro, like you can point to other 
reserves or, or, or twos on that roster that can plausibly fill in. I think offense has got to be, you know, where it's going to be. I, I, history would tell you that finding an offensive lineman in the portal is difficult and expensive and, and hard to count on. They would also tell you that finding receivers in the portal is kind of doable, and Nebraska has a history with that. So I think that's a spot certainly that you would look at if you can, uh, trying to find some receivers. Uh, running back, I think will be curious. Do you add somebody there? Um, assuming guys like Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson come back, probably. I think that's probably a spot you'll look at as well. So, um, you know, I, I, w- I would start there. We'll kind of see how the rest of the season plays out. Um, but it'll be curious to see how in-depth or how all-in Nebraska wants to go on the portal versus being more of the developmental program that, it, uh, you know, Matt Rule teams have been in the past. It's Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. Evan, we'll see you on Saturday. Great stuff today. Thanks for jumping in with us. Hey, thanks, guys. See All right, there he is. And Evan's going to throw Shawshank on right now to, uh, to put a bow on, on this segment. We'll dive in a little bit more on Nebraska, more on the Big Red from Loxley, and uh, what's Michigan's fate. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find Elijah on Twitter at Herbal Essence. Find me, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt. Underscore Radio can always chime in on the show. The stream is open. Want to watch it as well as listen. The Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can download the podcast. So Moonbot jumps in with a prediction. He says, hot take here. Harburg struggles early. Purdy comes in for a drive, scores. And then uh, isn't seen again. <laughs> hey, whoever and whatever it takes, if you're a Nebraska fan, to, to get points on the board against Maryland. Hold the ball, drive the ball, and uh, defend the football. Mike Loxley weighed in on some of the ills for his turtle offense. We're still our own worst enemy in terms of, you know, Terps versus Terps. You can't lose the turnover battle, four to zero, uh, the explosive play battle, um, and, and expect to win. And, and that's not what we've done. And so what we've got to do is obviously starting with me and uh, the, the staff is, you know, instead of looking in terms of what the problem is, we know what the problems are. We've got to protect the football. We've got to execute. We've got to tackle. We've got to play to the standard. But we focused on trying to be solution-based, as I've always tried to do with any part of our program. And, you know, I've challenged everyone from the coaches, players, and staff. Uh, when you start looking to figure out kind of what the problem is, ask what can I do to be part of the solution. And that's, that's the approach we'll take. It's a, a way to do it. Um, you know, three of the- Was that airing? It should have been. Okay. So, yeah, it's Terp versus Terps. Uh, long and short of... What Loxley said, if we need to, to, to translate for you on the stream, and uh, pretty much uh, you can't go 0 for 2. Uh, you can go 1 for, for 2 or 2 for 2, and, and that spells victory with explosive plays and turnovers. And, you know, Nebraska needs to just get back to being the most physical, toughest team on the field Saturday. And defensively, they've got to – they got to be just cranked up. They've got to absolutely, I know there's a lot of football left, but empty the tank, Elijah. Set the edge, fly to the football, 
and and just be that player that you've seen most of the year if you're Reimer, if you're Gifford, uh, Princewell, uh, back from injury. Uh, be disruptive and dominant in the middle if you're Polar Bear. Uh, those things are all, I'd say you've probably seen 70% of the season. They've grown and gotten better, and you've, you've made a, a remarkable jump as a unit after Michigan, mm-hmm. right? And you played good enough to, to win it against Colorado before you, you kind of faded and you didn't get a lot of help. Um, the, the question to me with, mm-hmm. with this one on Saturday is, is something I've been saying for weeks now is at what point is Nebraska going to put together a four-quarter game? Because you've talked about the fact that... I don't I, think you're going to get one, dude. But things haven't been going right for Maryland. And it was a rough first half against Illinois, rough first half against Northwestern. But if you remember, like those two teams were able to assert their wills. The game went on, but Maryland never went away. Maryland made those things a little bit more interesting at the end of those games than they had been in the first half. Because I mean, we're sitting there at the single barrel a couple weeks ago watching Northwestern play Maryland, and we're sitting there going, Northwestern's starting to run away with this one. You look up at the final score, Maryland only loses by a touchdown. Well, and it's, you know why? It's because of, of little Tua and some of, some of the studs on offense. Wasn't the defense making a play. It was the offense always bringing them back. That's their identity. That's their problem, though, is their lack of balance. They're not physical. I mean, it's not that they're completely patty cake but they're they're a pass first football team so they're not going to be grimy and and gritty on the offensive line and then defensively you've heard rule talk about this a lot but how you practice says a lot about what your defense is all about and what's maryland seeing monday through thursday well they're seeing a high high wire act that's incredible with skill dudes but you don't have a run game and you've got a fast defense that is going to try and, and get TFLs versus physically manhandle you. I mean, Maryland is kind of the, the, the expectation of what a lot of Big Ten fans are expecting whenever these Pac-12 teams from the sure. West Coast come they're in. Prob- dude, they're probably the Pac-12 version of the, back, the, the, the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, what they want to be. And, you know, they've, they've been in the league long enough now, but coming from the ACC... I mean that's that's more of uh, aside from Clemson, <laughs> the style of ball that that was in the ACC where it's going to be seventy degrees most of the football season or at worst sixty, and you're going to deal with rain, but you're not going to deal with cold and you're not going to really deal with high formations or double tight ends. Well, let's let's get it. Loxley actually talked about the weather forecast on Saturday because he's optimistic. He the- loves it. Loxley's the happiest dude in Nebraska on Saturday that it's going to be 60 and sunny. Nebraska needs to phone call the almighty and get Purdue's weather forecast uh, shifted in. Get a hold of Shimmick, man. Shim, do us a (laughs) solid here if you're a big Red fan. Well, good thing is the weather's supposed to be 60 degrees there, which I'm knocking on wood that we are (laughs) blessed to be able to have that type of weather this late in the year in in Lincoln. Um, But what do we need to do to get a win on the road is we got to play to our standard. Um, And, again, that's such a coaching cliche answer, but our standard is real. It's, you know, starting fast, protecting the football, not watching scoreboards, not beating ourselves, playing to the best of our ability to, as the best versions of ourselves, putting the work in Monday through Friday. I mean, they know all these things, but now it's just a matter of Saturday putting it all together. And, you know, I feel good about our opportunity this weekend. Like I said, I have this optimism because of the players and they are practicing. Um, 
they're doing the things that we need to do, and now we're pushing them just to do everything a little bit better to, to see if we can get a different result this weekend. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, I don't know yet. We'll know Friday. Broadcast schedule. We're on the road tomorrow at the Single Barrel in Lincoln, 9th and P, 4 to 6. Come see us on the road at the Herdat Sports Bar and Grill Friday, 4 to 6 in La Vista. Omaha friends, come check us out. And uh, back at the Single Barrel for the weekend edition, 7 to 9 a.m. in front of kickoff. Uh, at the single barrel and then locked and loaded for real red reaction around 2.30 or so. So Dan Wetzel is reporting with Michigan here. Michigan's letter to the Big Ten notes that its margin of victory this season has gone from 34 points to 38 points since Connor Stallions was suspended. <laughs> there's, quote, there's simply no evidence that Stallions actions has a material effect on any of Michigan's games this season. So let's spend a minute here on on Michigan. Michigan with a warning to the Big Ten from Ross Dellinger. The warning to the Big Ten is in this letter, the conference should act cautiously when setting precedent given the reality that in-person scouting, collusion among opponents, and other questionable practices may uh, well be far more prevalent than believed. If you're going to punish us, you punish everybody for breaking these rules. Yeah, maybe we got caught. Yeah, maybe uh, Stallions went rogue, manifesto guy, LLC business partner guy. I have no knowledge. Can you hammer Harbaugh? Can you suspend Harbaugh without a smoking gun proof? And then Michigan, once deemed the Harvard of the West, they've got a billion lawyers there. They are good at law. They are good at suing. And they've already retained a high level, oh no, they're going to take everything and our fine silver uh, law firm. It, on top of trying to uh, go to the court route, the system of injunctions and restraining orders, if a penalty is handed down tomorrow by Petiti. There is a real threat by Michigan and their president about lawsuit response. How about Michigan? How about Michigan walking up to the conference table with a little show and tell and saying, you touch us, we are going to fire back something fearful and fierce and in response. We're not only going to tell you to screw off, we are going to sue you Big Ten. We are Michigan. <laughs> we are bigger than the league. Well, this is a far cry from somebody wanting to play football during COVID. Well, can we talk about just how funny their excuses are here for just like, like oh, we're, we're, we're winning by an even greater margin but, of victory. But, but in a court, well, of, in a court of law, though, in a court of law, it may work with the right judge. But you're playing freaking Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue. Congrats. Like, you're expected to win those games by 40 points because, I mean, whenever you look at what Michigan's done this season, if they can keep it up, carried into a college football play. If you're looking at potentially one of those seasons that could go down as one of the greatest teams in college football history because That's of the margin stretch. of victory. Look at, nobody scored more than 10 points on them this season on their defense and their offense is consistently putting up 40 plus points. I guess Purdue put up 13 points, excuse me, with a garbage time touchdown. Like, nobody is scoring whenever the game is still in contest against Michigan and they're going and putting up 45 points. I know you have to factor in the quality of opponents. They're going to get a couple more big tests coming up here down this stretch, but like, 
If they can keep that up, you're looking at one of the greatest teams in college football history with how badly they're beating everybody. And obviously, the, the hard part of their schedule, postseason, that's still all in, in question well, here. It's, but it's now. I mean, it's it's at Penn State. It's at Maryland. It's Ohio State to finish. It's Big Ten championship game. That won't be hard. And then it's college football playoff I if, mean, if they're still unbeaten. Here's, here's Michigan and what they're saying. You, you can't ban us. You can't ban Harbaugh. You don't have evidence. And we are we are we are calling your bluff. We are going to make you play chicken. You're responding because of an outcry of 13 other uh, members, and you've not let due process happen. How how can the league act? And I know there's a bylaw here with the sportsmanship policy, but how can you act before the NCAA acts? I mean, these are all questions and responses Michigan's using. Uh, well, their, their worst one right now is the whole, well, Purdue had our signals because they were talking to our opponents. That's no different than, than me being in college and me getting together in a group in my classical mythology class and we'd send one kid every single test to go take it first and report back, hey, what's on the test? That's completely different than going and sending in a kid and breaking into the office and going and stealing the test key. Like, that's what Michigan did. They're going and stealing the test key ahead of the case as opposed to sending your one friend down. They're going to get killed on this test, but they're going to let us know what's on it. And you know what? They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna take advantage next time. Paper for you. They're going to take advantage next time whenever I'm the one who has to go take the test first mm-hmm. and they get all the, uh, all the information about what's on the test. It's different. Both of them are a little bit of lacking integrity, but one's worse than the other. What, what, do, you, what do you do if you're, if you're petite I mean, do you do you scoff at Michigan's response and threats? I mean, presumably you've got enough evidence here. There is evidence. There's there's video evidence of filming. They have violated the sportsmanship policy. You can hand down suspension, or do you back away because they're in line for a title? And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert is with us. Dr. Brandon, how are we doing today? Hey, Chris. I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. We're just kind of arm wrestling with uh, Michigan v. the commissioner and that game of chicken that's that's ongoing and what is the commission's response tomorrow? Um, you know, it's it's like coming back. It's an injury, right? This whole Michigan situation's <laughs> been a been a league injury all season long. A guy that was incredible for many of us in fantasy football, and then has kind of flaked out and then been injured. That was a concern about Kyler Murray because of his size. Guy's a ton of fun to watch, and now he's uh, in the desert wandering in the wilderness he's trying to get back and he's back from an acl and we wanted to focus in on you know what to expect from him what's typical what's common dr brandon when you look at the style of quarterback that kyler murray is and and how he's able to to play back from injury as he moves forward yeah absolutely so you know, as we rewind back on Kyler, you know, Kyler had an ACL sur- ACL injury and subsequent surgery uh, back around like December of you know last year. Um, so here we are, fast forward 11 months later, and you know they're talking about if he looks, you know, obviously great, kind of full contact practice this week. They're talking about maybe even starting, you know, the game coming up. Um, so as we look at him in this first year, those first couple of games back, we've we've chatted before about you know what do ACLs look like kind of early on. 
you know, obviously this is a super high-level athlete. He's gone 11 months, probably going to look, you know, reasonably sharp as he starts out, but won't be kind of that true form just yet. Um, when you look at a kind of game plan for a guy like that, at least early on, I'm guessing we're probably going to be looking more at like a passing play, uh, maybe some light kind of run plays, but I wouldn't expect them to throw him into a bunch of kind of you know, running play kind of scenarios. I would assume they're going to try to protect him as he kind of gets that confidence piece back. Dr. Brandon, what type of look and confidence can you get if you're Kyler Murray through practice the last three weeks? What kind of look and confidence can you get if you're the offensive coordinator these last three weeks when you when you put something together for him for Sunday? Yeah, you know, I think those those just live reps I think are so hard to try to stimulate that in practice. Obviously, it's helpful, but trying to get those live looks I think is hard, both for you know OC watching him, uh, but also him just trying to read defenses. Uh, is going to be tough and trying to pick that back up. But then also just his kind of that reaction time of, you know, being able to you know, create plays, needing to make the cuts he needs to make. You know, that part is hard until you kind of get into those game scenarios. Obviously, you're getting plenty of reps with the practice piece. And you figure even though he's kind of back full contact practice, I mean, he's really been doing a lot of, you know, football-related activity stuff for the past several months getting back in what we call that kind of return-to-play kind of shape, too. And so all those things, I think, have put him in a pretty good spot. Um, obviously, if they're talking about you know throwing him back into the starting spot, now he must have looked pretty good uh, in some of these drills they've done with him, which doesn't surprise me with the kind of athlete that he is. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us here at Jock Doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity Radio, talking Kyler Murray as he returns from a knee injury back into the starting lineup for the Arizona Cardinals. And Dr. Brandon, with Kyler Murray, what's really interesting is this isn't a usual quarterback knee injury because Kyler Murray, he's so dynamic with his legs. And offensive coordinator Drew Petzing for the Cardinals really said as much as that this week. He said, there's always the nature of the franchise quarterback, and you see it around the league when they're very mobile. There's an injury risk associated with, with that. We have to manage that. But he went on to say, anytime you have a great player in that position, he's so dynamic at it, referring to running the football, he's going to get tackled. That's a fact, which is really interesting when you discuss this return from injury, considering where the Cardinals are at with a, a quarterback question moving forward. Is Kyler the guy moving forward? He's got to show something over these final couple weeks of the season. If he wants to show the team, you know what, don't go trade up for Caleb Williams. Don't go take Drake May. Don't go try to take Michael Penix in the draft. I am your guy. There's there's the, the two elements of this return from injury. He may one want being, out, too. Well, there's just the, the two elements to this. One being, you know what, you want to protect your franchise guy, but on the other side, your quote-unquote franchise guy has to show you something, and where he makes his money in the NFL is the fact that he is dual-threat quarterback. So what do you make of, of, of Kyler Murray if they're not trying to protect him running the football, if they do throw him in the line of fire? Yeah, those are great points, Elijah. You start to mesh that you know kind of sports med background with some of the whole kind of you know, professional sports dilemmas of playing you know, players and trading and all this kind of stuff. And I do think that's part of this, um, as there probably is a little bit of a trial run here. Obviously, it, it depends on the motivations of both sides, right? You know, do they really feel like, hey, we think this is the guy, or we're going to test this out and prove to ourselves he's not? And, you know, what does Kyler think? Does he think he wants to stay there and keep playing, or does he feel like, hey, I want to look for a trade here? That's a really good question. Um, obviously, hard to answer as we kind of see him go out there. But on the flip side, it's been 11 months. You know, that knee's ready to roll. Um, I think that going out there and you know being involved with some you know heavy contact stuff is is very reasonable. The knee you know is robust enough. 
Um, obviously, our, our big fear always with you know, any type of ACL reconstruction is, you know, what's the re-injury risk on these things? So you worry about that to an extent. But on the flip side, you fix them so you can go back and play. And I, I would have no reservation about going back out there and playing normal. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. A jock doc Wednesday return to play for Kyler Murray, Murray, one of the most exciting quarterbacks when he's healthy and uh, a guy that's trying to kind of stabilize that first pick uh, aura uh, around him, all the hype and hope you get with that first selection. What are some lingering effects that you may see with Murray when he gets back in, Dr. Brandon, what what could be off with his game associated with coming back from a knee, even though it's been a long enough time to be cleared and move forward? Yeah, you know, there's kind of that checklist that we have. You know, one part of it is just that, that mobility. It's just not quite there, at least initially. Maybe just a little bit slower on those cuts. Um, speed probably won't be quite what it used to be, still kind of working back into that. I think at some point he'll get that, and he might be pretty darn close to it now. Um, you know, the other checklist item, and this is probably the most important one, is that whole mental piece of like, all right, how much do I, you know, do I trust this knee? How hard can I cut on this knee? And so there's going to be some time there, kind of some run-in period where he really has to try to figure that out again. And I also think, you know, again, you can do all the practice you want to do, but getting back to game speed and being able to redevelop all that kind of what we call neuromuscular retraining as an athlete where your brain knows where everything is in space, knows how the body feels when you move and you cut and you try to get out of the way of another player. Getting all that back takes such a long time. And so that'll be, you know, kind of a real growing area for him these first, you know, couple of games back and as he moves into next year. And that will come back. Um, it just takes a while. Dr. Brandon Seifert, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, Jock Doc Wednesday, Kyler Murray added to the 53-man roster. We'll see if we see him on Sunday or in future Sundays. Uh, super talent, Heisman winner, big-time baller out of Oklahoma. We'll see if he can get things going for the cards in the desert. Dr. Brandon, we'll get caught up again next week. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Hey, sounds great, fellas. Take care. All right, there he is, Dr. Brandon Seifert, uh, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a Jock Doc Wednesday. Get the download going with the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play with Hale Varsity Radio. Give us a review, tell a friend, subscribe. Also can subscribe on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. You're invited to do that and check out all the great content from Hale Varsity and Heard at Sports, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed. We'll wind down a Wednesday, let you know what's happening tomorrow. It's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Is at the single barrel tomorrow, 9th and P, downtown Lincoln. Come see us 4 to 6 at the Heard at Sports Bar and Grill Friday, 4 to 6 in La Vista. And then 7 to 9, weekend edition, kegs and eggs time, breakfast uh, with you. Ahead in Nebraska, Maryland, 7 to 9 a.m. on Saturday. Hey, congrats to all of the Nebraska kids that got to sign their name today in the world of baseball, basketball, and uh, some other sports as uh, so many players, boys and girls, high school athletes uh, living their dream out, getting to go to college. I know uh, Lincoln East, a number of kids going 
uh, on to play college baseball and many at the Division One level. Of course, Britt Prince, just incredible ball player at Omaha. Uh, signed with Nebraska, Kennedy Williams from Southwest, and then Braden Frager, uh, 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 just a stud ball player at Lincoln Southwest, is committed to Nebraska, of course, but uh, moving up his classification. Coach Hoiberg touched on that a little bit earlier today. We're thrilled uh, to have him. He's one of the most athletic kids I've seen uh, in that entire class. Uh, goes up and finishes above the rim uh, with authority, uh, you know, dunks in a crowd. And he's, uh, he's a kid that is really uh, working on and improving his shot. He was a 42% three-point shooter a year ago at uh, Southwest. And uh, you can just tell the amount of time that he's putting in uh, to continue to make himself uh, a, a great elite shooter to go with that athleticism. Uh, he's, he's Big Ten body ready right now even, um, you know, as, as what was a 25 class. But he's, as, as you guys saw, reclassing to 24. And the way that whole process went down, is we had a lot of talks with the family, a lot of talks with Braden, uh, just about the different options that he would have. And he's in a position right now where he can graduate. He's done a great job in the classroom. And uh, we just all kind of collectively got together and saw that that would be the best option for him. His focus right now is to help Lincoln Southwest compete for a championship uh, for this season. And then we'll look forward to getting him here next summer. Shout out to uh, Cooper Markle. He's uh, out of... Uh, Katie Tompkins High School down in Texas. Uh, his dad and, and my brother, Uncle Mark, uh, longtime friends from their baseball days at Doan, and uh, of course, uh, coached together for a little bit. And Cooper's making his way to the Nebraska baseball team from down yonder in Texas. That's really special, really cool, and just a good day for so many Nebraskans and uh, a lot of new faces and new talent, new energy. Elijah getting to uh, the Memorial Stadium or Hawks Field or PBA and other spots around the country, which is really cool. Yeah, and this isn't just Nebraska kids that are going to Nebraska. A whole bunch of kids around the state going to Doan, going to Midland, going to a lot of fantastic schools around this state, and it's great to see that talent staying home, not only from an athletic sense, but also just from a, a – uh, a future citizen of the great state of Nebraska as well, staying home, getting their college education here. I think it's great news. Love seeing the, the state of Nebraska thriving. And the first step is, uh, is keeping those really talented kids in state, not just athletically, academically, however you want to, to, to be a, a future Nebraskan, I guess I should say. Well, we'll check in tomorrow from the single barrel, four to six, 10th and make that ninth and P, ninth and P inside the graduate, of course, Huskers, in Florida A&M tip off at 7 so if you're headed down for Nebraska basketball come wave at us, say hi Jeff Smith will join us talk some Husker hoops, Gary Barnett on Michigan tomorrow and Nebraska and Brandon Vogel will talk to you at 4 tomorrow with Hale Varsity A Huda Media Production